You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Would you open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4? I'm going to read verse 4 to 7 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. You know why you know that Rise Up Camp is going to be good? Because of history, and because history is his story. It was a Freudian slip, see? (laughs) It's his story. It's a good history of his story. Sorry, I'll I'll stop. (laughs) Leanna's like, shut up. (laughs) Okay, just one? Okay, that's it. So last week we started the year by looking um, at cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness. And if you weren't here last week, if you are away, I hope you had an amazing break. Um, But it is online. It didn't get online until Friday. We just uh, forgot. Um, but it is online. We also had, had our sort of 2022-2023 um, financial review. So we split those podcasts. So if you want to listen to either of them, you can. Um, but this morning, I kind of want to flow on a little bit from this idea of thankfulness. So if you, didn't, if you weren't here, if you didn't hear it, let me encourage you. It was only like um, 20 minutes, 22 minutes um, around developing or, uh, or cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness. But Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord Can you say always? Again, I say, just in case you didn't get the always, again I say rejoice. Let let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The uh, The Lord is at hand. I love that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that even... In our requests to the Lord, we're told to be thankful. Just think about that. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How often do we come to God and go, oh, God, you haven't done this for me, and oh, and I don't know that, and, and I, you know, I, I wish I was in the place that Paul's in, I wish I could hear his voice, and oh, and we're grumbling. The, here in Philippians it says, even in our requests, even in our prayers, to the Lord, come with thanksgiving. Psalm 100, verse 1 to 5, we read last week, says this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Who can make a joyful noise this morning? Nice. Well done. Let's try it one more time. Who can make a joyful noise to the Lord this morning? Yeah. <laughs> make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Who needs some gladness this morning? Gladness. Gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates or his throne room or the place of his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. There are some truths that are outside of time. Many of the the, the foundational truths of the Bible It doesn't matter whether it was 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, today, or in 100 years' time. They remain 
the, the, the foundations of life. The truth is this, that thanksgiving and praise opens a doorway to the presence and peace of God. It was true 4,000 years ago. It was true 2,000 years ago. It's true today. There is a truth that when we, when we bring tithes and give offerings, that it releases the, the blessing in favor of God. Even more than that, the kingdom is extended. Do you know that many of the Fortune 500 companies in the world uh, understand this principle of tithing and give away 10% of their income? I read uh, Richard Branson say something, uh, for those of you that don't know, it doesn't really matter, but he's the head of the Virgin Group, like Virgin Airways and all that other stuff. He said, yeah, it's in the Bible, but it's just something that works. Now, he's not a believer, but he's understood that there's foundational truths. They give away 10% of all their income, and there's a blessing that is released over their life. Thankfulness and thanksgiving is one of the timeless truths or keys of the kingdom. Uh, last week, we, we looked at a few points on how do we cultivate a lifestyle of thankfulness. We cultivate a lifestyle of thankfulness by choosing to serve the Lord. Not ourselves, but Him. By choosing to know Him. Because re we're relational. It's not just about doing. It's not a religious observation. It's knowing Him. By expressing thankfulness. It's no good to just be thankful in your heart. Thankfulness has to be expressed by giving, by making thankfulness a part of everything we do, by uh, being thankful in the trials and not forgetting his benefits. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Don't forget what he's done. I don't know how, how you need to do that, but for me, I write things down. I keep a, a journal or notes. Now I use notes, Apple Notes. Um, they're very helpful if you have an Apple phone. If you have an Android, good luck to you. Um, <laughs> not looking at you, Ryan. Um, <laughs> just trying to help you out, Caitlin. They're having a, 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 a relational conflict over Apple versus um, Android, so you guys can all weigh in on that later on. <laughs> He's like, you're in trouble. Um, However you need to do it, forget not his benefits. Keep a journal, keep a diary, keep a calendar, write down what he's done. Because you know what happens is, in the face of the next trial, we suddenly, that's all we see, and we forget all the things that he's done and the testimonies of his goodness. In the face of the next crisis, we're like, oh God, where are you? And we forget every moment in our life so far where he's been there and he's come through. And rather than being overwhelmed by the trial that we're facing, when we forget not his benefits, we go, no, 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 I've seen this before. Maybe not the exact same thing. Maybe it's an echo of what you're facing, but I know that you were there. I know you were there with me. I know your presence. I know your voice. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Lord, where are you right now? Where's your presence right now with me? Lord, what are you calling me to say? Lord, Lord, I, I am so thankful for where you've brought me to now. Lord, I need your deliverance in this moment. I need, your, I need your breakthrough in this moment. But Lord, I thank you for every stone, every altar of remembrance along the way. When we, when we make a choice to cultivate a lifestyle of thankfulness, to meditate on the truth of God, of his goodness, to respond with thankfulness, it releases the presence and the peace of God in our lives. 
Do you want the presence and peace of God in your life? That was not a rhetorical question. Do you want the presence and peace of God in your life? Then one of the keys is thankfulness. But when we're talking about cultivating a lifestyle of thankfulness, it got me thinking um, of some of the things that can stop us or be hindrances to thankfulness. See, if we're going to cultivate a lifestyle of thankfulness, not just like, yeah, that was a good preach, like I'll tell you three things I'm thankful for, but live in a place of thankfulness that releases the presence and peace of God then we, we, we need to not only be thankful, but we need to be intentional or recognize what stops or robs our thankfulness. Because these timeless truths of the kingdom are things that the enemy wants to undermine. He knows if he can stop you being thankful and get you focusing on the lack or the negative or whatever it is, that there's actually a restriction to the peace of God in your life. We need to recognize the things that steal and kill our thankfulness and therefore steal and kill the presence of God and the peace of God in our lives. The last year, Henry, um, my younger son, turned nine in June. He turned nine years old. Can't believe how quickly time flies. Um, all he wanted for his birthday was a drum kit. Like for like two years, he's been asking for a drum kit. And we're like, just wait, just wait. But it's all he wanted. Um, who knows drum kits aren't cheap? I discovered that last year in about May, <laughs> that there are very cheap drum kits, but he wanted a drum kit. Um, so we had told him that, that he might not get a drum kit because they're not cheap, but that if he got a drum kit, maybe he wouldn't get any other presents from family because maybe we'd have to get people to pitch in together to get the drum kit. So he, he wasn't sure he was going to get it, but he had this idea that maybe if I do get it, I won't get some other presents. Now, his Nana and Papa were very generous and bought him tickets to go see Mary Poppins, the musical, the first, his first musical. And he's quite a, he's an artistic child. He loves music. Um, yeah, we thought this is the best present. So they went before his birthday to see this musical. They went out for a meal. They went to the musical. He came home. We couldn't wait to hear all about it. They went to the matinee to hear all about it. He comes home. Thank you, Nana and Papa. It was great. And as he walks in the door and closes the door, he bursts into tears, sobbing. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? You know, you know those like deep like, like sobs, the ones that make you want to cry. And I was like, what's wrong, mate? Did something happen? Like, you know, did, are, are you okay? What's going on? He's like, I'm, 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 I'm not going to get a drum kit. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, but you said... If I was going to get a drum kit, then everyone was going to have to go in on it. And because I got tickets to the theater, now I'm not going to get a drum kit. And <laughs> Poor kid. I was like, it was like in that moment, you're like, oh. I wanted to be like, no, we've got one for you. But I felt devastated for him because we hadn't given him the drum kit yet. We had got it. It was sitting in the cupboard. It was <laughs> waiting for him. But he didn't enjoy the theater experience, like he should have, like it was intended to, because he thought it meant it was, he was going to miss out on something else. How often are we like this? How often 
Are we thinking ahead and thinking, but, but if this happens, I'm going to miss out on that. And we've connected all the dots in our head, not realizing that God has something planned for us right now. And he's leading us towards something. He is the author and the perfecter. Are we letting him write the story or are we trying to write our own story to the place that we see? And, and unfortunately for Henry, the musical was great and he actually did enjoy it. But he was so focused on what he thought was going to miss out on that he didn't enjoy it the way he should have, and he still got the drum kit in the end. He could have enjoyed both. So what are some of the hindrances to our thankfulness? The first one is this. The first one is entitlement. A culture of entitlement is the enemy to a lifestyle of thankfulness. A culture of entitlement is the enemy to a lifestyle of thankfulness. See, most of us have been brought up in a society that's told us from birth that we're entitled to have certain things, to live a certain way, to have certain comforts. It's often reinforced by our parents and, our, you know, and our, those in authority. Even our pastors reinforce it. To be honest, sometimes even in the kingdom, we have, kingdom, we have this idea that we're entitled to certain things. The Bible talks a lot about partnership and relationship, but so often we've been taught half-truths, and we think, I'm always entitled to a greater experience of the presence of God. His presence is always available, but there is some responsibility on our part to access his presence. I'm not always entitled to a greater and greater experiential thing of his presence, most of us have been brought up saying that we have this, this inbuilt entitlement. We want our kids to go further than us, to have more than we had. That's not a bad thing to want, but it can create a culture of entitlement. As a leader, I don't want people to struggle and face hardship. I've been learning as I'm growing as a leader that sometimes people have to go through the valley to get to the other side, to get to the freedom and the breakthrough that God has. And if I short-circuit that season of hardship or struggle in their lives that actually I'm hindering them becoming more like Christ. But we never want to see somebody have to go through that struggle because it's love. When we fall into the trap of believing that we deserve, that we are entitled to something, whatever it is, in the natural, you know, a big house, two cars, big TV, a high-paying job, um, a spouse, a family, um, you know, the, the ever-increasing experience of the presence of God. We fall into a trap that can kill our thankfulness. I'm not saying that there isn't more of his presence for us. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm saying, are we thankful for his presence that he's already shown us? I'm not saying that you can't have a four-bedroom house. But are you thankful for the place that God's called you to live now? I'm not saying God's not going to call you to a different place or a different nation even. But are you thankful for the place that God's placed you right now? Rather than being thankful, if we fall into this thing of entitlement, rather than being thankful for what we have, we, either we take those things for granted or we're sad, mad, and depressed because we don't have what we think we should have. We live in one of the most blessed nations in the world. 
If you don't believe that, then please come on a trip with us this year, and you will see the way most of the rest of the world lives. Yet most of the time what we hear is how hard it is and how, how hard done by we are and how bad things are. And, and you know, we're anti this government and we're anti that government and we're anti this thing. And, oh, and we forget that we are in the top 1% of blessed people in the whole world. We forget that we've been placed here for a season, not for greater comfort, but so that we can release resources to the kingdom to those who are in other places. See, if we forget our kingdom perspective and our kingdom focus, then it's like, oh, it's so hard, and oh, interest rates, and oh. And I get that there's realities, and we have to budget, and we have to tighten our belt. But we're still blessed. And not as in like, like name it and claim it, oh, we're blessed in Jesus' name. No, we literally live in the, one of the most blessed, if not the most blessed nation of the world. Even worse, often we spend our time and our money and our effort to accumulate more of the stuff that we feel like we're entitled to, the lifestyle, the comforts, rather than advancing the kingdom. The Gospels are full of Jesus teaching on being a good steward. I'm just going to throw out some references and you can look them up later. The faithful and wise servant, Matthew 24, 45 to 51, Luke 12, 42 to 40, 48, excuse me. The talents and the minus, Matthew 25, 14 to 30, Luke 11, 11 to 27. The sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, 31 to 46. The tenants, these are different parables of stewardship. Matthew uh, 21, 33 to 44, Mark 12, 1 to 11, Luke 20, verse 9 to 18. This is why we can't read them all because there's heaps of them. Um, the watchful servants, Mark 13, 34 to 37, Luke 12, 35 to 40. The master and his servants, Luke 17, 7 to 10. Those who are fruitful with little, he says, will be entrusted with much. In Philippians 4, 19, Paul writes and he says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply every need of yours. The problem is this. When we take that scripture of Philippians 4.19 out of context and preach a prosperity gospel, we end up reinforcing the culture of entitlement. Not just God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Every need is supplied in Christ Jesus. We make it about God will give you everything you've ever wanted so that you can be more comfortable. No, no. It's in Christ Jesus is found all that you'll ever need. And when you're in Christ, he will supply your need. Not Jesus is my genie to give me whatever I want so I can have all the entitlement that I feel like I'm entitled to. Paul's actually writing in Philippians 4.19 to the church in Philippi who were facing extreme poverty and persecution, but who in the face of that poverty and persecution gave generously, not for themselves, but to help Paul and the church in Rome. Entitlement kills thankfulness and it kills our effectiveness. It robs us of the peace of God in our lives. It robs us of the purpose that God's created us for. So how do we deal with entitlement? We deal with entitlement by giving and by being thankful. Literally, we give our way out of entitlement. If you see that your kids are becoming entitled, then encourage them, help them, show them how to give. 
rather than to receive. It is better to give than to receive. We all like to say that at Christmas time, but that is a kingdom truth. Everything we have comes from the Lord. Romans 11, verse 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. David writes this, or he prays this, in 1 Chronicles 29, 14 to 16. He says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? Who are we to bring an offering is what he's saying. For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. Think about that. When we talk about being a generous people. Are you ever tempted to think about how generous you are? I'm so generous. I live a generous lifestyle. Hang on a second. All things come from you, and of your own we've given to you. Woo! God, look at my tithes. Look at my offerings. I'm, a, I'm just giving back to him what's already his. That changes the, uh, the heart a little bit, doesn't it? It says, for we are, str- <laughs> we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow. There is no... There is no abiding. Oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. This is David talking about the offering that the people brought to build the temple for the presence of God to dwell. He says, everything we brought, of all the generosity, of all the abundance that we have, it was all yours to start with. It's all from God. Everything we have, everything we give, everything is his. It's his presence. We talk about being in the presence of God. It's his presence. It's not my presence. I get to be in his presence. He dwells in me. I, yes, I, 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 as we did this morning, we asked him, Lord, fill me. Fill me to overflowing. Fill me afresh. But it's not mine. It's his The authority is his. It's not mine. It's his. He delegates authority to us, but it still remains in the palm of his hand. It doesn't become my authority to do with as I wish. It's his authority, and I do what he's asked me to. The presence is his. It's his presence, and when I'm in his presence, I do what he's asked me to do. Our inheritance is in the Lord. It's in him and in eternity. So we deal with entitlement by giving and by thanking. This culture of entitlement is in direct opposition to stewardship and thankfulness. So we give our way out of it. That's why we teach in this church about tithing, about bringing offerings, about being a generous people. If you have read a book that says you don't have to tithe, you don't believe in tithing, please come and talk to me because it's not true. You've been set free of the law and the curse that goes with it, but it's still a biblical principle that will release the favor of God in your life. And beyond tithing, the giving of offerings releases a harvest of righteousness, the Bible says. So often we go, no, 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 and we just tip God. 
We wonder why we have this problem with entitlement in our life. We wonder why we have a problem with lack in our life. We go around the same mountain again and again. This is not putting law on you. You're free of the law and the curse of the law. But there's still biblical principles that are true. Jesus actually said, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. 10% sounds good compared to all you have, doesn't it? I heard somebody once in a, in a conference, uh, Bill Johnson was speaking, and they said, oh, he stood up, and it was maybe a 1,000 people. He said, oh, Bill, tell these guys that, that, that uh, tithing is Old Testament, and we don't have to do it. And he goes, well, cool, tithing is Old Testament. You don't have to do it. But Jesus said, go sell all you have and give to the poor. And the guy went, <laughs> Our giving breaks the hold that things have over us. I'm not just talking about tithe. Our giving, our serving, our giving of our time, our being generous, our giving declares to ourselves and to the enemy that God is our provider in every area. Do you need to see the provision of God in your life? Then give. Are you struggling with entitlement? And oh, if only I had that, then give your way out of it. If everything's the Lord and everything comes from him and everything comes from the Lord, our inheritance is in him. We're simply stewards of his stuff when we're here, here on earth. Then when we feel like we're entitled to a thing, the only way to break that thing is to give our way out of it. You will find the peace of God flood your life when you break this hold. Break this, the, title of, uh, the cycle of entitlement. The second hindrance to thankfulness is busyness and distraction. Who came in distracted this morning? Who had something happen on the way? Who had a late night? Who was too busy to get up early and spend time with the Lord? Who had a fight in the car on the way in? I'm not looking at you guys. I'm just, I'm going to look this way while I ask these questions. Luke 5, 16. But he would withdraw, talking of Jesus, and, or he would often withdraw to desolate places to pray. Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Luke 16, 12 to 13, in those days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them the 12. Do we slow down and take time to be thankful and reflect on and meditate on what God has done and what he's doing and what he's saying? Busyness and distraction aren't just hindrances to thankfulness, but to following Jesus full stop. The enemy would like nothing more than to have you so busy that you have no time to spend time with God. We have to make time to withdraw or to wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I've seen a lot of social media posts at the start of the year that say something along the lines of this. 2023 was really hard. 2023 was a lot. 2023 was bleh, whatever. Yeah, find your true self. 2024, new start. Find yourself. Find what makes you happy. Find you. Do what you want. The Bible says those who wait on the Lord will renew your strength. You don't need to find yourself. You need to find Jesus. You don't need to find your true self. You need to find his true self. Then you will renew your strength. Maybe you're tired because you're spending too much time on yourself and not enough time with him. I don't think 2023 was that hard. 
I know for some there was challenges. But if we focus on every year was so hard, oh, we just made it over the line, we're not living in the, in the fullness that God has for us. Maybe you had some battles, but this is a new day. Every day is a new day. We don't have to preference everything with, oh, that year was so hard and rubbish. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. How do you make time to withdraw, to wait on the Lord? Maybe you're a morning person. Maybe you're a little bit sick and you like to get up at 5 a.m. Just joking. It's good for you. It's Paul. You like to get up before everyone else and have time on your own. Maybe you're a nighttime person. Maybe you're neither. Maybe you're a middle day between 12 and 1. No one else? (laughs) Maybe you can make time in the evening. Maybe you can make time in your lunch break. How do you make time to wait on the Lord? Maybe you can find a quiet park. Maybe, like Paul, you want to go stand in a river somewhere and catch fish. He likes to make it spiritual and say he's practicing his fishing. He's fishing for men. But you know what? Whatever it looks like for you, maybe you need to go on a run. Maybe you, I don't know what it is. How do you make time to spend time without the other distractions? I like to go on a walk because it kind of gets you away from the phone and the emails and all the other stuff and see nature. And you know what? You can begin to be thankful in that place because I begin by just thanking God for creation. Like, wow, look at those amazing trees. Look at the grass. Look at the, like, the flower. Thank you, God, for your creation. Well, thank you for the sky. Uh, thank you for the clouds. Thank you for the rain. Uh, you know, it just flows from there. It goes into thank you for who you are. Thank you that you sustain. Thank you that you hold everything together. But you need to find your place to wait upon the Lord. The key is making space and time. And it's no good getting up before everyone else but sitting on your phone scrolling and sitting in front of your computer for an hour. It's no good getting up before everyone else. I'm up at five. I've made time and space. And then spending 55 minutes on whatever app you like to look at and then three minutes at the end. Oh, thank you, God. Put it away. Pray before you post. Scripture before scroll. The third hindrance, my last one, to thankfulness. I'm sure there's others, but these are just a few that I felt like God would highlight. It's comparison. It's entitlement. It's busyness and distraction and comparison. Exodus 20, verse 17 says this. It's one of the commands. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor shall you covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servants. We don't have male servants or female servants, but you shouldn't covet them either. Or his ox. If your neighbor has an ox and a donkey, then you're probably living on a nice, spacious, rural property. But it's basically saying this. Don't covet anything that's your neighbor's. Don't, don't covet their things. Be thankful for what you have and don't worry about others. See, there's always somebody with more. All you have to do is like, Go drive to Brighton and look at some of the houses. You go, oh my gosh, it's amazing. The houses are amazing. But there's always somebody with more. People in Brighton go drive somewhere else to, you know, go to some other country and they go to Aspen in Colorado and they go, oh, look at these amazing, like, there's always somebody with more. The point is not who has more. There will always be somebody with more. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop comparing your house to someone else's house. Stop comparing your husband or wife 
to somebody else's husband and wife. That is the quickest way to marriage problems and divorce. If you start comparing, if only my wife was like their wife, you got a big problem coming up. Stop comparing your car or your things to somebody else's things. Stop comparing your family to someone else's family. Stop comparing the church that God's added you to to another church. When we fall into that, you will go from church to church to church to church, and you'll end up bitter and twisted because every church you look back and go, yeah, but they had this and they were that. The church is people. The church is not perfect. The church is messed up. We're trying our best to become more like Jesus and to host his presence. But we're not called to compare church against church because we're on the same team. Stop coveting anything that you don't have because comparison is a slap in the face to God's, God's provision, and it steals our thankfulness. God provides you with a car that is, that is reliable and can get you to work and can get your kids to school, but you look at it and go, oh, but if only I had a car like whatever, a car with electric windows. Oh, if only I had, a, had you know, a car with you know, air conditioning in it. Oh, if only I had that. It's just a slap in the face to God's, comparison, God's, God's provision. It's like, God's like, but I provided that car for you. Oh, yeah, but it's not good enough. I provided that partner, that spouse for you. Oh, yeah, but they're not good enough. Maybe we need to grow. Maybe there's some things that God's working on in us. I'm not making light of it, but honestly, are we like, oh, if only they were like them. We're planting seeds that are going to grow up and bear fruit. The slap in the face to God's provision. You have a responsibility to steward the treasure, the talent, and the time that God's given you, not someone else. I don't have to steward Mark's time. Thank God. Mark doesn't have to steward my time. Thank the Lord. I have to steward my time, and Mark has to steward his time and his talents. I have to steward my talents. We have to be obedient to what God's told us to do. I don't have to be obedient to what God's told Mark to do. Although in partnership, we have linked our hearts together, so in a sense, we are kind of obedient together. But it starts with me being obedient. You have a responsibility to respond in obedience to what God's saying to you, not to somebody else. Stop comparing and start obeying. See, I, can, uh, I have a guitar that my grandparents gave to me when I was 21 years old, which is now almost 21 years ago. <laughs> I have a choice. I can be totally thankful for that guitar. I can, I can play it, and I have been able to play it all over the world and lead people in worship. Or I can go, man, I wish that I had a guitar like Joe's, a newer guitar, different tone, begin to compare. Maybe it sounds better. Not only does it steal my thankfulness for God's provision, but it also can limit me from being obedient and using what God has given me. If I begin to covet and compare, I stop using the thing that God's given to me to actually be used to lead people in worship and in the praise of the king and put it aside and go, oh, if only I had that one, I could do it better. That's the point. If we're going to cultivate a lifestyle of thankfulness, 
which releases the presence and peace of God in our life. We can't let comparison or busyness and distraction or entitlement kill and rob our thankfulness. They're foundational things that we have to deal with in our lives. Give your way out of entitlement. Withdraw. Make time to be thankful, to wait on the Lord, to reflect, to meditate on what God has done and what he's doing and what he's saying now. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Stop comparing your kids to other people's kids. Stop comparing your family to other people's family. Stop comparing your anointing to somebody else's anointing because it's not your anointing. It's his. Be obedient with what God's given you. Would you stand with me this morning? By way of response this morning, we always like to make room for response. And to be honest, all of us have to respond to God in different ways. To one, he might be dealing with one aspect with another, another one. But I actually wanted us to take communion together as a response this morning. If those guys could, uh, who are prepared could pass that out. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I want to ask you to not take communion. You can just let it go past. But I'd actually like to ask you to make him the Lord of your life and to join us. See, when we take communion, there's a declaration of the power of his blood that was shed for us on the cross. And when we haven't made him the Lord of our life and we do that, we're actually bringing judgment upon ourselves, the Bible says. But when we take this, thanks, legend. Let's put it on there. When we take this, there's a declaration that his body was broken for us so that we can be whole, that he is the Lord of our life, that his blood was shed, and that when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ, that we can come boldly into his throne room. Let's take this moment as a response. Maybe there's something of entitlement in your heart. And you realize you've actually felt like, I, de I deserve whatever this is. Come back to Jesus. Thank him for his sacrifice. That all we have comes from him. Maybe you found your place as the year starts in a place of busyness and distraction. Would you still yourself this morning? Wait upon him. You don't need to rush to something else. You can wait upon him. Maybe you have been eaten up by comparison. And I want to invite you this morning, if that's you, to take your eyes off of others and fix them upon Jesus. 
as we take communion together, would you take your eyes off of those comparison things and simply say, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, where I felt that I deserve something, that I'm entitled to something, Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your blood that was shed and your body that was broken for me. We still our hearts this morning. Would we be a people who when others look at us, they say, why are you so thankful? Your thankfulness is not even in alignment with what we see in the natural. And we can say, yes, it's because of who Jesus is. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us and your sacrifice for us on the cross. For those that are sick this morning, Lord, even as we take this biscuit that represents your body broken, Lord, I declare healing in Jesus' name. Wholeness. Lord, would breakthrough come even now? Let's go ahead and take that biscuit. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us on the cross. The perfect sacrifice so that we can have relationship with you. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Let us not forget all you've done. Let's go ahead and take that juice. If you need to continue to respond him this morning. I want to invite you even as we finish just to stay in that place. Do business with him. If you need someone to pray with you or you'd like somebody to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. And I'm just going to ask, would you come down the front as we finish so we can pray with you? If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, bring him back to the center of your life. Would you come down the front as we finish? Because we would love to celebrate with you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for the, that you challenge us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that together we can pursue you. We want to become more like you. We want to know you. We want to be a people, Lord, who are marked by your, pe- your presence and your peace, who are a thankful people despite the circumstances we find ourselves in. Lord, would your hand rest upon, would your spirit rest upon the Rise Up Youth Camp this week? Let it be a time of encounter. Lord, would every person there be marked by your presence. Lord, that they would look back, Lord, in decades to come and say, my life changed because of that camp. We thank you, Lord, and we celebrate all you're doing. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Can we give him a hand? We bless you, Lord. You're worthy. We hope you've been-
enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.